Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just, you got to do the work. Just do the thing, Merlin. Are you harassing me? That's how far I've caught up. Oh. Oh, geez. I did 45 minutes today on first make a hole. I'm back to work. Well, I'm not, I'm not caught up that far. I'm on, I'm on a journey, John. I'm on a journey. Mm-hmm. Is it a musical journey? <laughs> the Picard. We'll get to that. We'll get to it. <laughs> um, I, I don't like when people say that on a podcast. Why not talk about it now? You know? But the point is you're, you're here and you're used to it. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is Reconcilable Differences with John Syracuse. And, um, and we're here with you and you're listening. So everything is working to plan. How are you today, John? I still find it weird that you've started doing that these past several months. It's very, it's very against the usual Merlin podcast ethos of just, you know, just starting. You have this little introductory song and dance. You remind people what they're listening to. You identify yourself. You throw to me. It's like, I, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't mind it. It's just very different. Pretty good. Here's the thing. If, if you want to be the one who starts the show, I would love that. I, I made my bones in this industry, John, which is... <laughs> No, it's now a multi-thousand dollar industry. Are they hollow? Hollow bones. Mm-hmm. Phoebe. Um, I mean, my bones, uh, the second the call starts, it's the show, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And we didn't used to edit podcasts. You didn't need to, because everything was always good. Mm-hmm. Well, I won't go that far. Six hours on the Unix kernel, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But um, it's difficult for me, and I want, I don't, what would you, what would you like to do? Now we've got we've passed that part of the show. I just come. I know I've commented on it before, but it, it continues to amuse me. I changed my mind. I don't want you to be my dad. I mean, I want you to be my dad sometimes, but like I don't think I can handle this. I, I already get so much flack from my family. I don't do need. You? you say you get flack from your family, but I don't hear about the flack. Is it secret flack? Are we not allowed to know about the flack? No, it's fine. I just that I, I, as I covered today on the Back to Work program, I think it would be funny if. Um, Werner Herzog did a documentary about what it's like to be on a one hour hike with mm-hmm. me. I because did see the those things, tweets. huh? I did see those tweets. You're the only one. Nobody sees tweets anymore. Yeah. Did you read them in the voice? I tried to. I mean, I, I have never seen Fitzgeraldo, so I don't, and I okay. barely recognize that person as uh, Werner but Herzog. But you know, ba- um, bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Yes, yes, yes. And you've, I bet you saw I mean, Grizzly. I, I've seen Grizzly, I've Man? Seen Grizzly, Grizzly Man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to recommend that documentary now episode to you because you don't like to laugh. Mm. But but it's true. Like I well I'm looking. At, it is funny. I wish I could do a better voice. I mean, do a better voice than uh, Alexander Skarsgård. <laughs> be mm-hmm. funny to you when someone tells you what the show's about. But it would be funny. It's like right now, right now Merlin Merlin is describing a, a method that he has for deciding which songs should be a different sequence on Murmur. And uh, I'm like that all, just like, blah, 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 all yeah, the time. Yeah, that's one of your weaker voices. I, th- I think Moises does a good uh, Herzog. Mo- Moises does a lot of really good voices. Yeah, he does. I, yeah, I haven't committed to it. Um, he's Bavarian. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the cream. No. What? Bavarian, Bavarian cream? cream? Oh, Bavarian wait. cream pot now? Bavarian cream? Oh, sure. I, I know Egyptian cream. From Robin Hitchcock, and I know cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Because I was listening to that earlier today. Easy Bavarian cream recipe. Easy Bavarian cream recipe. What What is it that makes it Bavarian? It thinks it's better than others. Have you ever had Bavarian cream? This web site, web page asks. Is it nummy? Not, 
Let's see what the ingredients are. Um, I'm going to start answering all my hypothetical questions. Find the recipe. Jeez. (laughs) (laughs) I've gotten yelled at, John. I've gotten yelled at so many times from people who are like, hey, don't don't make fun of the food bloggers. They have a story to tell. Like, no, they don't. They have photos of lemonade. It's not a life. All right, I don't, I don't, I don't believe this. This top hit in. Uh, I don't know what makes the cream Bavarian, but I'm guessing it's it's like a like a like a whipped cream on top of like because Germans love cake. This is this is known. Can you describe Bavarian cream to me off the dome? The first recipe I found had two ingredients, and this is you. You will be immediately suspect by ingredient number one. I'm I'm thinking it's going to be eggs and xenophobia. No, <laughs> ingredient number one. One box instant vanilla pudding. Okay. I'm out. That's it. No, See, I'm sorry. Don't this do is that not to John. I, I, John, you've been so clear with people not to do that to you. People know that gets your good. That's not a recipe. It's not a method. It's instructions I mean, yeah, from so, a box. So I moved on from that. But anyway, I found a different Bavarian cream recipe. This is a different part says, of the show now, too. <laughs> and it says water, unflavored gelatin, egg yolks, sugar, salt, milk, vanilla extract, heavy cream. So... That's okay. kind of the decomposed thing. I guess it's the sort of the the gelatin and the egg yolks um, that are mixing. Anyway, it sounds like kind of like an, an eggy, uh, custardy whipped cream. Oh, I see. You know, I got to be honest with you. Like, jokes have left the room. I, I, I'm not... My problem with a lot of German desserts, my name notwithstanding, mm-hmm. is that I, I don't... There's a phrase that I coined this weekend, John, um, in, in, in the car on the way to the Werner Herzog hike title, mm-hmm. um, which was Madeline said, "Hey, does anybody want, does anybody want a mint or gum?" No, no, you know what it was? It was gum. Madeline said, "Does anybody want some gum?" I said, "I would love some gum, but is it is it trick gum?" That's is that a David Letterman bit? It probably is. I've stolen. Oh, God, I watched his interview with Robert Downey uh, this week. So good. I stole everything from David Letterman. That's like everything. Every, I mean, I stole from other people too, but like he's the prime mover. But um, but um, but David Letterman. Wait, what was I saying? Is it is it trick gum? You said is it trick gum? And she knew exactly what I meant. So she, you know, we're in traffic, and and she reads the back of it, and it was trick gum because it's always got. She buys all this stuff. Wait, I don't know what you mean. I thought you meant by trick gum is when you try to pull a piece out of the thing, a little like a mousetrap spring smacks on your finger and hurts you. Yes. Yes. Those Which was the thing they would sell to children when we were kids, believe it or John, not. do you know what itching powder is? <laughs> I don't actually know what it is, no. Would you like to know what itching powder is? What is it? It's ground up insulation. Ha, ha, ha. I hid your medicine. Like fiberglass insulation? Uh-huh. Yeah, like yeah. you've got up in your Mac room. Sure, yeah, no, cap guns, uh, trick gum, and ground-up insulation. Welcome to childhood in the 70s. You're just mad because your mom wouldn't let you have a cap gun. <laughs> I mean, I acquired cap guns through other means, but yeah, she wouldn't let me have one. Boy, you're good with that wording. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, so trick. what is trick food? Trick food is, uh, uh, and I said, finally said to Madeline, literally last night, I said, the phrase, trick food, because she sat down on the couch, like we do, to, to look some, watch some pose, and she's eating these these snacks that look really good. And they remind me of a snack from my youth that I can't remember exactly, but there was some kind of a snack we used to get sometimes that was heavily Parmesan cheese-based and was some kind of a crispy, crunchy, white trash snack that I loved. And she, I was like, hmm, that, that looks good and it smells really good. You know, is it is it trick food? 
And you know, here's, you know what's trick food? Here's trick food, John. Anybody want a chocolate chip cookie? Or sorry, anybody want a cookie? Are you yeah. going to bring up carob? I'm going to bring up carob. I'm going to bring up carob. I'm going to bring up rhubarb. None of these things are bad. I mean, rhubarb is an essential part of a strawberry pie, but I ain't going to eat, you know, just rhubarb on, <laughs> on its own. And, and but anyhow, she, it's always like, it's, I'm of course reminded of Mr. Show, one of my all-time favorite episodes with Grass Valley Greg, where he makes everybody eat tofuti, you know, tofuti break. And he says something like, tofuti, it's just like ice cream. And Brian Posehn's character says, no, it's not like ice cream. It doesn't taste good to me. He goes, it's made with spider sugar. It's good for the spiders. And, and that's what I always think. I, I, it's like, who's, I mean, okay, fine. If you've got a food allergy or whatever, that's fine. I, I get all of that. Email John. But like, if you're gonna have, it's like the time Dan Benjamin said back when he was uh, doing his, like he only eats foods that were available 150,000 years ago. One of his fad diets, as you call it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, um, if I'm going to cheat, my cheat food is not going to be corn. And I think about that a lot, John. I like corn, but like it is in a lot of things. It's hard to avoid. And if I'm yeah, gonna, in this country, your cheat food, cheat food probably is going to be corn. Whether you know, whether you know, it, or whether not. know it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I mean, and if I'm going to eat corn, I'm going to eat the crap out of some corn. I'm, I'm going to go happy go jappy on some of that corn. I like me some corn, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to trick if there's a thing. And I'm sorry to be quoting people, but this is how my brain works. My dear friend, Chris Coldren. Hi, Chris. My friend from new college uh, contributed uh, something to my life that has made its way into the wisdom document, which is uh, try to avoid foods whose names have been altered for legal reasons. He, he said that in like 1986 and it's always stuck with me because you see something like, you know what I'm talking about? Like on, on a cereal box, it says filled with delicious choco mm-hmm. bites. Cheese food, uh, frozen dessert. Right. Or something like, oh, it's made with fresh vanilla essence. Mm-hmm. Vanilla essence. Oh, it, like beans from the vanilla essence tree? Is that <laughs> is that what that is? No, it's actually carob. Or like what else could it be? It could be soy lecithin. It could well, be. Well, uh, fake vanilla tests have shown is basically indistinguishable from the real thing when you put people it People always like food. to track this louder, you know? I, and so, I, but it was a trick food, but it was really good. It was like a very passable chiclet imitation and it was fine. And, and to so what's trick food with gum? Isn't, isn't all gum kind of the same? I don't remember mess? what, what the flavor was. She's like, I don't think it is. She's like, I don't, cause she'll just pick something up. Are, like are you trying the, to find out if it had real sugar in it or not? And if the gum doesn't have real sugar, it's trick gum. No, because I love bubble gum mm-hmm. and it's difficult to find bubble gum that doesn't have all the stuff that makes you poop in it, like sorbitol or mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, God, what's wrong? Can I just have gum with sugar like a person? Mm-hmm. Anyways, but no, she she wants to live and she wants us to live. And so she gets things like, so the snacks that she gets are, are trick foods. And some of them are extremely good, but it's not the food. It's some version from an end cap at Whole Foods that has like a, a wheat stalk and a green label. Do you have these in your home? Do you have any, do you have any trick foods? think so we don't really have attempts to make food items healthier around here <laughs> right what's your heritage yeah i i mean when i was a kid i guess let's see i mean my mom always had sugar-free gum it was mostly just trident just really just like the most fossilized hardest pieces of trident gum and the little paperback every single been- every single piece of trident i've ever eaten tastes like it was in my grandmother's purse purse for two months yeah her, her purse smelled like it trident. Well smell like white hard shoulders, as a yeah. rock hard yeah. as a rock like top bubble gum level crumble to dust in your mouth yeah, yeah, yeah um 
but let's see. Maybe. I mean, like, so do you, I mean, like, so well, it sounds like you don't. We had, well, here's what we had. Uh, orange juice from Concentrate. Mm, that's which not, is that wouldn't so fit my dad. Da- it so, is, it is bad. I didn't think I liked orange juice to. for most of my childhood until I had real orange juice and like, oh, that's what orange juice tastes like. Right, right. With, with all of the attendant pulp yeah, and frozen, chaos. yeah, frozen from Concentrate orange juice is terrible i mean maybe you don't know about this in florida because you got the real oranges no not not at all not at all i mean i totally know about this and you have to understand like i i i I, things i assume i've told you or you've heard about me i never had a fresh piece of asparagus until college i only (laughs) ever had it from a green giant can yeah no i didn't i didn't and i think i said i never even knew that asparagus came in cans i have never seen canned asparagus right and then i probably said a joke like yes lots of people do um but mm-hmm. um yeah whatever but does it like, still not, make your does the asparagus in cans still make your pee smell i am one of the people yes no i'm saying when it comes in a can is that still oh, i'm sorry yes absolutely it's actually especially asparagusy. wow the real limp now what i wanted to keep i know we've talked about this before and you've, you've browbeat me about i love my fondness anyway for party cut pizzas but the whole time you guys were doing that wonderful episode where, where you ate the the thousand dollar pizza mm-hmm. and uh, uh the whole time i just i I've said this before. Every town, how can I put this? Oh, let me put it this way. In Tallahassee, I told you this, it's a terrible pizza place, but every single person who grew up in Tallahassee, when they come home, they always go there. Like everybody has a childhood pizza that's garbage, but that, well, maybe not you, but, but, that, but that they still love because it's the pizza of their youth. You know what I mean? And so for, for poor Casey, guys, uh, so anyway, here's the thing. ATP, it's a very good show, atp.fm. And they've been doing these hilarious things where they watch movies or they try a food together. And it's, it's more ATP than ATP in most cases. They, all of the worst things about all of you as people come out, and it's a perfect delight. And this time they tried Casey's, what, childhood favorite pizza like a, a little, I don't think little, it's I don't think it's childhood. I think it's like adulthood favorite. We're going pizza. to Greenwich Village with his folks, I guess. And uh, uh, yeah, I think he would go into the city and have his, uh, you know, uh, birthdays there. But I think maybe yeah, that's from it. That's teens it. on. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I there's certain kinds of trash foods that are just they're great exactly how they are, and I I don't eat them a lot. And when I do eat them, I mean, if I'm going to eat potato chips, I would like them to be actual potato chips. That's some kind of potato sluice, you know, product. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I'm, I'm sensitive to that, you know, that, that, uh, what's it called? Full belly, big belly, golden belly. <laughs> Gold belly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a hell of a website. The gold is reflected in the price of everything. Yeah. Cha-ching. No kidding. But I encourage, uh, first of all, to the audience, I encourage you to go check this out. And it's, it's a good cause. It helps the other two guys. And John really does need the money. But then also, um, I, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to applaud you. I thought you were a gentleman about it. Yeah? Yeah, I feel like Gold Belly is just a one big, long, sort of uh, distributed experiment for letting <laughs> each individual person determine what kind of foods travel well and which kind don't. Because the people know Gold Belly is a service that will buy you "quote unquote" famous food from places like New York City. If you if you want like a, a Philly cheesesteak from your yeah. favorite Philadelphia place, or you want cheesecake from some place or yeah. other things, yeah, you know, that don't have cheese. Uh, yes, like fam- famous places in major metropolitan cities. And, right. But you can order it anywhere in the U.S. and they will buy it, freeze it, and mail it to you overnight at massive expense. And so 
If you're really desperate to have, oh, the pizza from my favorite pizza place in New York City, they will get it for you, put it in dry ice and send it to you overnight for huge amounts of money. <laughs> and then you'll learn, is this type of food that travels well or is it not? You're like, you're like the Russian guy who's in trash in Triangle of Sadness who gets his Nutella delivered to the yacht. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, in the, in the briefcase, yeah. Yeah, right. I See, Nutella travels perfectly fine. Pizza, Absolutely. less yeah. so. Yeah. Well, okay, uh, forgive me. I, I don't look at a lot of social media these days. And so I know you've been asked this a thousand times and I just haven't seen it, but it might be a question that our audience shares because it was on my mind. I, I, you must have talked about this at some point, but the internet has decided, and I kind of agree that the best way to reheat pizza is on the range top in a pan with no, a little bit of oil and then a little bit of water at the end to melt the cheese. So in, first incorrect. of all, okay. Well, first of all, please opine. Uh, for, so the answer to all of our listeners, hello, John does not do that, and it sounds like he might be opposed to it. Yeah, it's it's too much work, and the result is not what? significantly not significantly better than just heating up in the oven. It's pretty good in an air fryer. <laughs> that's just a convection oven. That's fine too. But uh, it's pretty good yeah, in a convection I, I, I'd oven. I'd be afraid. I'd be afraid a convection oven would dry it out a little bit much. I mean, if you really, really like a super crispy bottom, like crispier than it was when you got it from the pizza place, by all means, do it in a skillet. Is that a term from your community? Crispy bottom. Yeah. Okay. But I think I think it, it ends up it ends up too crispy for me. Like it wasn't that crispy when it was freshly made. It shouldn't be that way now. So I knew a, I could hear it. I could hear it when you guys were scratching it and eating it. And I, I think I knew what you meant. So it was kind of a weird because it had been previously frozen, thawed, mm-hmm. heated. It was both too crunchy and then but parts of it, was, it, and it was dried out. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, it, it was still it was still okay. You know, you could still taste, like I said, you could taste the ghost of the pizza that it was under there. The crust was so <laughs> so hard that it was basically like inedible in some places. But the taste of the actual pizza part is all right. It, and, and I'd say it's better than soggy pizza. I think pizza that is, you know, too crisp and dried out is better than soggy pizza. When you pick up a slice, let's see you get. So what I usually get the other night I got, we got a place I like a lot, uh, Little Original Joe's. Mm-hmm. I explained to my, I explained to my kid why I think that name is dumb. Which, of course, he really appreciates. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, that's why you can't have great green dragons. I got to find that. I or thought green, it was S.I. Green great dragons. Sorry. I, I know. Up. I thought it was S.I. Hayakawa, but I can never find the quote, and I, I've got to find yeah, it. Tippy toe lemon It's there. But anyway, a little original Joe's is a, a green great dragon. Because I said, here's the thing. People say, oh, oh, oh you know what? You're going, you're going to Manhattan. you got to try my favorite pizza place. And I go, oh, what's that? And he says, Joe's. You go, oh, you mean Joe's like in um, Battery Park or whatever, or Joe's in, you know, Midtown or whatever. And they go, oh, no, 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 you don't want to go to Joe's. You got to go to, and what's the answer? What are they going to say? Oh, like Famous Joe's, Original famous Joe's, Joe's, Original, original Famous Joe's. Joe's. Or, or it's Ray, Famous Ray's, Original Ray's. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right, Ray. But in this mm-hmm. case, just little Original Joe's is very upsetting to me. But the, the restaurant's a wonderful restaurant. They've got all kinds of great stuff. I, I highly support them. They have the best pizza boxes in town. They're very beautiful, and um, and I love them very much. Now, here's my question for you. I get me a 14-inch. Sometimes I'll get the spicy one, and sometimes I'll just get, the, like, the regular combo uh, toppings. How, when you get a fresh pie, open the box, take it out, how floppy should it be? I mean, obviously, you should be able to do the weird New York thing where you fold it, right, without That's breaking. That's weird. That's just normal. I'm so um, sorry, John. I didn't yeah, know. So it really depends on the size of the pizza. 14 inches small for a yes. New York size pizza, right? But and, and just to be clear, it's not party cut. Yeah. So if you got a normal size pizza, which is substantially larger than 14 inch, 
and you pick up a normal size slice, it should not stay up on its own. The tip should flop over. That's why the fold exists because you need to, you need to provide a little bit of extra structure and the fold uh, right. helps it stay straight out unless you eat it that way. Yeah. So that's, that's how floppy a, a regular sort of Neapolitan, you know, pizza pie should be in the New York style. Now, if you make it the, the pizza smaller, then maybe the point where it like it, it flops over, maybe the piece isn't even that long. So it doesn't really flop or maybe just a little right. tiny bit of the tip. Flops. Right, right, right. So that's why size of the pizza matters. It's integrity mm. of materials. Remember we talked about that? I do. Empathy a person, for the person the size of a hundred story building with their bones made of bone material. Right. Not going to work. Yep. Yep. A, a fighting 12, five year old made of, made of ducks. Not quite the same thing, thing, but it's very, yeah. it's really quite similar in a lot of ways. Mm-mm, not really at all. New York pizza. Um, how about this? Let's do a challenge for our show. Cause we love doing challenges. Mm-mm. Challenge for this show. We're each going to get, uh, let's say tombstone. We're going to get tombstone <laughs> from the Ralphs. <laughs> no, we're not. But then we're going to cut it. How are we going to cut it? Party style. And I think you would enjoy it a lot more if you cut it party style. Little squares, John. Little, little like, like, it's, like it's two and a half inch squares. It's the size to cut it just before you shove it down the disposal, which is where it belongs. <laughs> Can you cut that into little squares, little squares for me? Thank you. Shove, shove, shove. <laughs> Put the burrata on it. It's nice. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash diffs. Friends, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and for growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, you can engage with your audience, and, and you can sell stuff. You know, well, you, your products, your services, uh, any of the things you have that, that you want to sell. It's your store. Uh, they can just have that. And the point is that Squarespace has got you covered. You know, uh, uh, you, you, the online store is amazing. Physical, digital products. This used to be, as we used to say in the business, a whole thing. Well, Squarespace has all that kind of, you know, built in right now. You, you get those beautiful best-in-class website templates. You customize it to be the way you want it. You know, you can drag stuff. You can click stuff. It's amazing. And yeah, they got blogging. You know, whatever is you want to blog. It used to be we can only blog text. That's all we had. That's all we could afford. And, and we were happy then. But not as happy now uh now you go in you get you get you get your powerful blogging tools you can share stories photos videos and updates we didn't even used to have updates when i was a blogger it was it was that impoverished of an era but now squarespace has got you squared away with all that uh literally so anyway squarespace they're great it's where you know roderick on the line is hosted it's where my personal sites are hosted They've been great to me, and I think they're going to be great to you. So do me a favor right now. You go to squarespace.com slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Get a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're all set to launch, use that very special offer code diffs. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com slash diffs. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. We've got some important follow-up this week. Remember, yeah, what's we up, John? What's going on follow-up? We, we need to stop shucking and driving. We need to get to the important business of the show. Mm, okay. And the business of the show is business. Uh, Herbert Hoover. I don't know. Or Calvin um, <laughs> It's a lot. Sometimes I am the the uh, gumball machine, too, or lotto machine, whatever. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to keep pumping quarters in, in you until something good mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah. You're, you're, you, know what you, you know what you are? You're my, uh, you're, you're my gosh pun. You know? Oh, yeah. There you go. Okay. Okay, so uh, took a took a follow up. The first item I vaguely recall either you mentioned to me or you sent me a screenshot illustrating this, and it was an aside, so I didn't bring it up at the time. 
I was sending you a screenshot to show you that my Mac was back up. And I thought it'd be yeah. funny oh, if yeah. I sent and you a screen you, grab and front and center was on screen. And I thought it'd be a cute little, uh, as, as you people say, an Easter egg to send to you where you could see that I had finished my restart and I was ready to record. Yeah, so here's the deal. Um, <laughs> front and center, my application that you have on your computer shouldn't show any dialog boxes when you log in to your computer. But sometimes it does. I added a fact item to the, the my help website for this application. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, the reason it does that is that, you know, front and center is an application that in the normal sort of default way you run it, it just shows a menu bar icon. It doesn't appear in your dock. It's the type of thing you run all the time. So you don't want it cluttering up your dock. Just a little menu bar icon lets you know that it's running. But that means that it's sometimes people buy the program, launch it, and they're like, wait, this thing doesn't launch. I don't see it. What's going on? It's invisible. It's broken. It didn't run, right? Because they don't think to look in the menu bar to see a little icon up here. So if right. they double-click the program again, if they say, what the hell? This doesn't work. That happens to me with Maestral, where I'll forget to restart Maestral and I won't notice it until I'm away. Yeah. And so if that happens, and they're like, what the hell? And so they go hunt down front and center, and they double-click it again in the finder. Like, come on, open. If you open it, when it's already open, then it will pop up the settings dialog to say, hey, here I am. I'm running, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you log into your computer without touching anything, you just log in, you're not touching a single thing, and the the, the settings window appears for front and center, that means something is trying to launch it twice during login, right? So because once it launches and then it just launches. Where does, where does the regular login, where's the regular login item live? So that's the thing. In Ventura, they changed the way login items work. And mm. it's a big mess and it's filled with bugs. And so that's what I said in the, uh, the thing. Sometimes you'll see front and center in there twice. Sometimes it'll just be in there once, but it'll get launched twice. The solution I always say is just to delete front and center entirely from your login items and then re-add it using either the checkbox and preferences or whatever. So if you are seeing any part of the front and center UI throw up a dialogue, same thing with Switch Glass, that means something, when you log in, that means something is launching it twice. The first time, it just launches quietly in the background, but the and second time... it's not time, two different versions. It's two different... Com it's, um, no, it's, it's the same, it's the same okay. version. I've, I've programmed this into both versions so that when you launch it, when it's already running by double-clicking it, it intentionally, like code that I wrote says, oh, it oh, looks like you're smart. opening it, but it's already open. Yeah. Because otherwise people can't... But what that means is if it's something is launching it twice on login you'll see the UI. And some people just think, oh, it's normal. It just does it all the time. But I wonder not if that's why Text Expander is forever, forever, ever. Like, I mean, I don't even use Text Expander. I use Text Expander for like five things mostly, like my phone number, short date, stuff like that. But like every time my computer restarts, like I've got, it was like, it's so sweaty. Check, I got check your login items. It's under inventory. It's under general login items. And then look mm. at the list and see how many, if you have an instance in there multiple times, even if you only see it once, just try selecting it and hitting the little minus to delete it and then re-add it through the normal means. That might fix it. Okay. I'm in library, um, application support. No, no, or? no. System settings, general. Oh, I see. Oh, 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 I see. System settings, general, login items. Also, Clean My Mac is good at identifying those kinds of things. See at the top where it says open it, login? Uh, so I'm clicking, I'm in settings, general, did you say? General, and then login oh, items. Oh, I see login items, yeah. What do you see John, at the top John, there? they they really got to do something with this. This is so bad. No, system settings is bad. This is extremely bad. Okay. And the new system for launching uh, items and login is a little bit janky, but hopefully uh, I've got front and center at, dot app as an application to op at, open at login. And you just see it there once? I do, yeah. I would select it and hit the minus thing. Oh, oh okay. And then go to front and center in your menu bar and go to settings and then like check and uncheck the little checkbox. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? 
But this, this has got to be so frustrating for you, it seems, because, like, it's just one of those, like, I, I mean, this is, this, I have a feeling this is Paul and team's whole life at Rogue Amoeba, mm-hmm. is like, like, hey, you know, we're trying really hard to make the Mac do amazing stuff in the tradition of great, amazing, clever Mac apps, but, like, they're forever having to fight City Hall about all this wild stuff, and the fact that Apple tries... I guess for good reasons, there it's it has its reasons. Apple wants to make anything involving what stuff, you know, anything I guess with that ace component. I'm not sure what it is, but like make it like ammunition. Like, oh, you gotta and you gotta log in, you gotta you gotta restart twice, and you gotta, you know, tap your nose and like all that stuff. That must be so maddening for you to have to deal with from a help standpoint. Yeah, it's a little bit annoying. Although the new API for login items in Ventura, even though it is buggy because it is the very first version of macOS that has had it, the API is better than it used to be. It used to be mm-hmm. worse in terms of the things you were just describing, like hoops that you have to jump through and security things you have to deal with just to launch your app on login at the request of the user, right? Just right. to do that simple thing. It used to be so complicated. Now it is less complicated than it was, but the new API has bugs. And so now you're just dealing with like, oh, well, this is the first time they've put this in an OS and there's some bugs and uh, it mm-hmm. can be confusing and annoying. Thank you. Next up. Rattle and hum. So I, I, I was going to, and I am going to talk to you in general about rattle and hum, but there's one particular item that I mentioned uh, in the last episode where we're talking about rattle, the movie rattle and hum, which I've seen back when it was released and I've seen it many times in my, in my youth. Probably 87, 88, something like that. Yeah. I think it was mm-hmm. the same year. Joshua tree. Uh, maybe they were on the Joshua tree tour. Um, yeah, yeah, that right. kind of makes sense. Anyway, or maybe 89. I don't know. You can look it up. Anyway, in, in the late 80s, I was saying that I enjoyed the clip of Larry Mellon Jr., the drummer <laughs> of U2, when he was at Graceland visiting uh, the you know the home of Elvis, that he had said that he wished that Elvis wasn't was, buried on the property. He was he was a little bit he was a little bit sad. Yeah. And he said, I just wish, wish he wasn't buried. And, and what I have thought for my entire life, this is kind of a secret weird thing, right? Maybe not, not a secret weird thing. I misheard lyrics type of thing. Yeah. I had thought for my entire life, and what I relayed to you last episode was that he said, I just wish he wasn't buried in the backyard. <laughs> That's either, what I've been saying. Either because it's weird Irish accent thing, or he was choked up and swallowed the Y in yard. And for my whole life, I've seen this movie many, many, many times. For my whole life, right. I thought this is what he was saying. And somebody well, asked, uh, uh, Is it, uh, can I, uh, are you going to give me a chance to guess? Is, is it a real word? Oh, I, go ahead. What's your guess? Well, no, I was just going to ask you, though, like, like, I'm just curious, just give me the only hint I would ask for is, like, is it he's pronouncing something in a way we didn't expect, or is it some kind of a term of art we didn't know? Like, you know, like the way people say garden in England, say garden instead of yard. Is it something like that? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Wait, really? uh, I just look at messages. I sent you a clip. Would you please play this clip and listen to it? And you will hear as clear as day what he's actually saying. (gasps) I wish he hadn't been buried I'm going to go from Larry, Larry to English. Mm-hmm. I wish he hadn't been buried in the back garden. Right. Because when I watched this movie for the first time, I didn't know that people in the UK called the backyard their garden or the back garden, right? Of course. Yeah. And so it sounds like he's saying back guard <laughs> and he swallows the last syllable of garden, back garden, back garden, right? I thought he was <laughs> saying back guard and dropping the Y in yard, but he was saying back garden. And so there <laughs> you go. How many years of my life, how many decades have I been thinking that Larry Mullen Jr. was saying back garden? He was saying back garden. Uh, all because I didn't know, again, that the people in the UK 
called the garden back when I watched this when I was a teenager. And by the way, Larry Mullen looks like a baby in this. And it's obscure, it's obscure enough that nobody's going to know what you're talking about. It's back garden. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's not garden. like me mishearing Goodbye Yellow Brick Road or something. It's yeah. it's something that's a little obscure. Yeah. And he does say the letter M a bunch of times in this in this one little M. M. Yeah, my M. landlord does that. But look look at him. Look how look how tiny he is. He looks like he's, he's so, in middle school. He's so <laughs> little. He he looks like he just got a, a, a big boy haircut. Yeah. And oh, and there's, there's, there. there's Bono in the leather vest. Can't oh yeah, no, guy. that's there. Okay, so sure mo- Moving on from my misheard lyrics, uh, 1980s edition. Um, did you actually go and watch Rattle Hum since last episode? Um, I watched some of it, and it just made me immediately want to watch that making of Unforgettable Fire video. As you favorited <laughs> the, the Brian Eno one. Yeah. Uh, did you, you watch, it? Did you you watch some me? of it from the beginning, or did you just skip around? I don't remember. Um, sometimes I jump past you know stuff like you know, people rolling boxes and stuff like that in concert mm-hmm. films. I watched some of it. No, no, but if you make it a challenge, I'll watch it for sure. No, no I'm just wondering if you watch. No, it I, I, I want to, and and you you keep you keep avoiding this critical issue, which is at some point I really need to go toe to toe with you. Not today, but I need to go toe to toe with you on Unforgettable Fire. You don't. You don't. We've discussed this in the past, but you've forgotten. But we haven't really interrogated it, have we? We we have. Uh, what did I say? Well, so here here's the important thing to remember. Okay. Do you remember how I feel about The Unforgettable Fire, the album, by you two? Yes. And how is that? <laughs> nice try. How, how do I feel you, about you, it? You like it, you like it, but not as much as Joshua Tree? Wrong. It's my favorite U2 album. Shut your whore mouth. And we've discussed this in the past. It is my favorite U2 His album. His name was Stampy and you loved him? Mm-hmm. That's right. But, um... But I told you in a super secret private text channel, there's one thing on there that's extremely dated, which is understandable because everything's dated. But like the thing that really dates it is in uh, walk on, walk on through the title track, right? Unforgettable. Mm-hmm. But that wonderful, beautiful song. But it's got this middle section, kind of like not a bridge exactly, but like a, this middle section where it gets boom, boom, like it's big strings, big like, mm-hmm. you know, cellos. Big stingers, playing. Yeah, I think it's. And, and then you hear bottom. And yeah. it's the it's the classic Fairlight CMI. I like that. Uh, you know why I like that? The discordant? Because in a theatrical kind of way, it's, it immediately settles back into the more sort of uh, melodic, uh, yeah. No, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the one part that sticks out to me in yeah. an otherwise very, very good album. Uh, not every but, song But here's the part amazing. you may be forgetting. Apparently I'm forgetting. So it's my favorite U2 album. Pretty much That's always you, has you, been. You do that. Yeah. But huh. I don't think it's their best album. I, you You know I love that distinction. Right. And that's that's All where right. I'm coming from when I'm talking about the Joshua Tree. And, 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 you know, like, even if you don't like the Joshua Tree, even if it's not your favorite album, because it's not my favorite album, maybe it's my second or third favorite album, U2 album. But I think it's impossible to deny how good the Joshua Tree is no, as an no. album. It's that's really fa- that's good. Fair. You may mm-hmm. just may not prefer it to the Unfair. I don't prefer it to the Unfair. <sighs> you can't. But I feel okay. Like- so, so I went on a jag the other night, as I do, because I haven't unexpectedly strong feeling about something that very people, very few people in my, in my experience anyway, have a strong feeling about, which is it really bugs me. And I want to be, I want to word this carefully, but you're watching a movie and I usually as a, as a bit, but sometimes for other reasons, music from an earlier time is used on the Mm -hmm. show. Now you look at something like halt and catch fire. 
did a pretty good job with that. What drives me nuts is when I watch something and they play a song that is from a later period than what they're trying to establish. In this case, it was it was a, a movie I stole called Air. It's about shoes. And it opens on New Year's Eve. It's, it's January 31st, 1983. And they're playing, right? Money for Nothing. Was it diegetic or non-diegetic music? Non-diegetic. So you're, it you're was, opposed it was over, to non-diegetic music. Over a montage of generic 80s you know, roughly from the same time, but like, I look, it's Ronald Reagan. It must be the eighties. I, I can see objecting to diegetic music, which means music that is supposed to be happening in the world of the movie, because it's like, what are they time travelers? How are they turning on a radio in 1982 and hearing a song from 1987? That right. is bad. But non-diegetic music is not taking place in the world of the movie. It just has to evoke the feeling of eighties to the viewer. It's not saying I, I, to you. I, I under, see, I understand, but I do very much disagree. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Okay, so like, and then somebody, some, some, you know, helpful guy comes in and goes, oh, blah, 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 something about this song. And I was like, look, I can tell you, I mean, I had to look it up. It was June 85. But I can tell you with extreme specificity that that was a song that was big the summer of 1985. Now, to anybody like my kid who thinks the 80s or the 20s or the 40s or whatever, it doesn't matter. But, and so <laughs> I said to this nice- Do you the Roderick bit when he says that? What's that? The 80s are going to make the 20s look like the 40s, whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. I saved those for you. But okay. um, I but I was like, well, let me, let me put it to you this way. Um, I mean, do, do, do we not agree that the point of playing Safety Dance or uh, Tainted Love or whatever is to evoke a certain time? Mm-hmm. And done well, and this is I know this is not the same thing, done well, it is to put you in a place where it, you remember that song. Well, do you remember that song just from like CD, somebody burned you in 2000? Or do you know it from when it came out? And I'm, I'm not trying to be a snob about this, but uh-huh. it's just a way of saying, if the whole point of playing that song is to establish what, what time this is happening, guys, I got one for you. It's going to blow your mind. Do you ever have any trouble remembering whether a song came out, a well-known song that like you know the words to? Do you ever have any trouble at all knowing whether it came out before or after you graduated from high school? Dumb question, right? Mostly, yeah. I mean, like there's some stuff that's on the bubble, but like like you like in my case, like I can tell you, Hollow Notes, uh, say Private Eyes, uh, came out before I graduated from high school by several years. And Doolittle by the Pixies came out years after. Now I had a very difficult summer that year. Every, every summer's difficult for me. But that was a tough one because I was, having a, I was having a very rough time. I graduated from high school. I was working at McDonald's. My, my, dr- my dream girl that I had had a crush on since 10th grade that I then went to the prom with, she was very ambitious and smart and normal and not going to be going to the United Electronics Institute. Let's just put it that way. I can very clearly tell you, because and how else do I know? Well, because when I was working at McDonald's, I was working at McDonald's at the day of Live Aid. And I was kept running back to the break room to my Panasonic boombox so I'd be able to like flip the tape to record it. Because this was Led Zeppelin reunited. But you know what else was there? Uh, dire Straits with Sting. Oh, Sting, he's coming out to sing the intro. Remember that? 
Queen with what what a lot of I disagree, but a lot of people consider their greatest performance was at Wembley. It was a fantastic performance, but like Queen's got so many good performances. But like, okay, so what's the point of that, John? Why am I saying that? Why am I being such a pill about that? Because if you play Money for Nothing and tell me it's 1984, I'm going to make this face at you. Hmm. You, you just you made multiple statements there that slowly move this. You said it's supposed to evoke a period, and then you said it's supposed to tell you what time it is. But those are two very different things. Evoking a period and tell, letting the viewer know what what time the story is supposed to be taking place. I don't. I don't think I'm saying anything illogical or irrational. What I'm saying is that if if you are using this, okay, let's do it this way. And this could be like Hot Tub Time Machine, who, which uh, a movie I enjoy that plays hilariously fast and loose with this. The skiing episode of Sunny. Like they have, they're having a lot of fun with 80s music. If you want to make it sound like the 80s, you play safety dance. Right? But like, or you play maybe Eurythmics. I don't know, something probably from 1983. But like, it's just that if you situate me in a certain time, I'm going to go, oh my God, this is totally the summer of 1985. Because that, there was a, what I said on Twitter that I'll, I will repeat here, you abandon, you shred an amazing opportunity to actually make a connection with your audience by, by putting them back at a time when, even if you don't know when this came out, you will so clearly know like where you were back then. I have a whole list. One of my, I think I told you this, one of my favorite Spotify lists is songs that creep me out as a kid. And I, I have so many specific recollections of when I like first heard a given song. So I guess what I'm ultimately saying is not only do you lose credibility with a hyper nerd, uh, an IMDb goofs guy like me, whatever, who cares? It's a movie, right? But like you lose this amazing opportunity to situate it in this several week period where everybody heard that song all the time, whether they liked it or not. And that's, that's such a good opportunity. And like, maybe that's the song you had, or maybe you're just like, I just think it's, I think it's lazy. It's avoidable. And it's a bummer. I think you were getting closer to the, the deal when you talked about it. Would you would someone have trouble knowing whether a song came out before or after they graduated high school? Because I think that is roughly the granularity of most people's recall of songs in years. Like maybe a, a single really? you you know, so? dividing line between eras in their life. In including people who regard themselves as fans of music. Yeah, yeah, not down to the year, let alone the month, let alone so the day. eighth grade for me. Like, right, I mean, right, I've your, told you your before, memory like, of when songs happen to you is much more granular than the average person's, which is why. And we're set, I remember what I was ashamed about when almost every song came out. Well, I mean, I, th I think if you're evoking a period, I don't even think it needs to match for the people who know when every song came out because you're just evoking a period and it's non-diegetic. But it annoys you because you do remember, and that makes sense. But most people do not remember down to the year. They definitely remember <sighs> this happened when I was in yeah. elementary school, high school, after high school, Big smear after that, but not like, oh, this was my junior year, not my senior. Maybe some people are, and everybody for some specific songs, like the very specific song that they did their first dance to with their girlfriend or whatever. But that's not like all music, all songs for all time. So I think you are. So, you so, the, so the, part, the part that I'm doing wrong, in your opinion, is that I just feel too strongly about this. or I'm being too no, you got, strident you got the, about you this. You got the plumber problem is what you got. Remember the plumber problem? Of course I do. Yeah. Yeah, a plumber, you, a plumber you know, can't watch. A, a plumber can't watch. This is what we talked about specifically with regard to *Halt and Catch Fire*. Yeah. Uh, the plumber problem John has identified as when you're watching a piece of media, TV or movie, especially, and you know a lot about the thing that they're being a little bit usually kind of lazy with. 
well, that's computer programming. Not, not even lazy. It's just that you are, you are outside the bell curve. You are on the you're an outlier, right? You know way more about this than than the most people than the average person does, and so they make this media. And they yeah. don't expect people to know exactly how plumbing works or know details of how the personal computer was made or know when every song was released. And if you do, it takes you out of what you're watching because you're distracted by a thing that the people who made this didn't think anyone would be distracted by, but you're distracted by it because you know more about this. That's what's happening to you. I don't know, man. You're the plumber. I, I mean, like like in the same in the same movie, which I have no intention of watching. I mean, so where did he go? Um, where did Michael Jordan go? No, UNC, probably? Um, so like if you're watching Tar this movie, down, right? I think he's UNC. Yeah. But like, you know, if you're showing Michael Jordan being a really good basketball player in college and he's wearing a bulls Jersey, it, you better be doing the jokey, like, you know, yeah, but that, but that's in the bell curve. The bell curve people but, understand that, that the bulls are not. A college I, basketball I, team. I disagree. I think people, mm, people notice and matter. And it does matter or they should notice and it should matter. <laughs> I, you think I, everyone should be a plumber. <laughs> I think everyone should become a plumber. Yeah. A plumber I mean, of the mind. I'll, I'll put it this way. It is it is probably easier. This thing that annoys you, it is probably easier for people to to get right because it is a small it's not a little, you're not asking for the world here. Yeah, I you know was able I mean? to Google it in like 30 seconds. Right, right. It's not the type of thing where like, oh, you got some nuance of the development of the personal computer wrong in some subtle way. It's more like just look up the year and figure out what year your movie's in. They got the wrong guy. But yeah. But but yeah, but I'm I'm willing to give uh, for non-diegetic music. I think even if I did know the exact like I know the Joshua Tree came out in '87. If I'm watching a movie set in '86 and they play Joshua Tree in the background and it fits for the scene, it doesn't bother me. Even though I know when that comes. <sighs> I'm just I'm gonna have to just be a weirdo on this one. I yeah, like well, things that reward no. close viewing. Yeah, I am yeah. a cinephile, John. <laughs> Which might bring us to the topic tonight. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Burrow. You can learn more about Burrow right now by visiting burrow.com slash rd. Okay, be honest. When was the last time you actually enjoyed some rest and relaxation outside? Well, the good news is the weather will be nice soon enough. So those early evenings sitting outside after a long day at work or in your home office are right around the corner. And our friends at Burrow are bringing their expertise in the living room outdoors with their new outdoor collection. They're taking it outside, people. You can't stop them. Burroughs Outdoor Collection is built for everyday use and to withstand the elements with a strong, chip-resistant, galvanized steel frame and easy-to-clean fabric. Ooh, gives me tingles. That sounds very easy to clean. Uh, plus, you, you get the modern, sleek look and quick-drying plush foam cushions. Bring the comfort and style of indoors, outside. And because Burrow knows Everyone has their own style, and, and people want things to be, uh, you know, uh, want things how they like them. You can choose from over 19 different configurations, purchase individual pieces or bundles to fit your seating needs, so it's just right for you. Uh, they, they asked me to say what, what, what uh, elements of the outdoor collection appeal to me. I think just the very idea that I could be outside and seated, you know, it's, uh, it's one of my favorite things, plus being outside. And I would like a place to sit, if I'm being honest. You know, it's designed to be super easy to assemble and to store as well. They got the easy to remove cushions. You know, if you if you don't get a thing with difficult to remove outdoor cushions, I, I I will personally say that's a bad idea. Make them easy. You get the easy storage when you got to put them away. And I'm forever having to put away my cushions. And as always, you get free shipping on every order. And that, and that can save you up to $100 on large items like, I don't know, outdoor furniture. Have you heard of it? <laughs> Read a book. 
Foxboro. Uh, so reconcilable differences listeners can get 15% off their first order. If you go to burrow.com slash RD, that's B-U-R-R-O-W.com slash RD. Um, we may need to renegotiate our, our contract with our friends at Burrow because I think I've written the world's greatest jingle for them. And it goes like this, B-U-R-R-O-W.com. The pause there and it goes slash RD, you know, and, and you get 15% off with that, R, you know, you know, going there. So. It goes outdoors. It stores, and and it's it's you know got cushions. So get outside, people. It's it's Burrow. Our thanks to Burrow for supporting reconcilable differences and all of Relay FM. Do we have? Like, I think I'm lost in this. Okay, no, we did that. We got around home. We did that. Yes. No. Okay. We've moved on. We've moved on to. And I have to say, I'm gonna throw some disclaimers in the front of this. Okay. Right. I've seen the movie Gattaca. Yeah. I saw it close to when it was released. I didn't see it in the theater, I don't think, but probably as soon as it came out on video. Was it whenever nine, that no, was. it wasn't 97. It was earlier than that, right? Yeah, whenever it was. Anyway, I saw it at that time. And yeah, I think maybe yeah. I saw it a second time a few years later, but I have not seen it since. And my memory of that movie has faded down to almost nothing. I remember the swimming scene, <laughs> and I think I know who was in it, and that's it. Well, get ready for another the other side of darkness moment with Merlin. I haven't, fin- I haven't finished it. Oh, okay. Well, then we're on even footing here because I, I don't am. remember. I how think, it I ends. think it's going to be a fair fight. But I, I was watching Gattaca. I was, in, I was really struck by the way it looks. I was struck by Ethan freaking Hawk. Mm-hmm. He's, oh my God, he's so gorgeous. And I, I mean, he's, 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 a, he's a, and he seems like a cool guy, but like he was uh, a really cool guy, but he's, he's so gorgeous and his movements are so almost like Brando. There's something very intense about him and the movies like creepy and well done and looks really great. But uh, spoilers for Gattaca, uh, the first third anyway. Okay. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So, but, but so the, the long short of it is that like it's this dystopian near future next Sunday, AD. And uh, Ethan Hawke, we learn, is working at this book called, uh, long story short, he is what's called an invalid. There are valids and there are invalids. There are people who are the product of, I mean, like a, a super duper version of test tube babies, I guess. At one point, Blair Underwood says, look, if you can have this baby, you could you could have a 100,000 attempts at fertilization and you would never make a baby as genetically superior as his younger brother in that instance. So he's a, he's a kid. He's natural. He's sickly, right? He's, but he's born the old fashioned way. And then his parents like, well, let's get a good one now. Right. So then they have this other kid, his younger brother, who's very hale, hearty, healthy, you know, basically like, like a, a I young love the idea kid. that Ethan Hawke is the defective one. <laughs> yeah. He's such a mess. Well, I don't know if you remember this, but the guy who played him, I said this on Twitter, but like, I don't understand. So I'm not going to look it up because he's probably a sex man. But like, I cannot believe the guy who played young Ethan Hawke did not immediately become the hugest hunk in Hollywood. He's so, he's so handsome. But here's what happens. So in this world, in this future world, it's a little bit X-Men, right? I think it's, wouldn't you say the closest analogy is discrimination, like racism probably, where mm-hmm. it's like if you are an invalid, meaning you're not like a genetically you know, fully formed, you know, by their standards person. Genetically, enge- genetically engineered, yeah. 
genetically? Yeah, I guess so. You're, you are actively discriminated against in a Jim Crow kind of way, I think, mm -hmm. if I could say. So like, you're not allowed to have a good job. You're, you're just, you know, you basically, you are, it's, if I may say, like, well, racism. It's like being black. It's like being black, especially in an older time. And it's like, <laughs> like we were watching Pose, this amazing episode of Pose last night where um, Electra takes everybody out to dinner on Long Island where they're on this little girls' night vacation. And they go into this restaurant and everyone looks at them. And, you know, Madeline's like, oh, no, are they going to get clocked? And, 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 and Billy goes, no, 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 it's because they're black. It's not because they're trans. Not because they're, quote, men dressed as women. It's because they're black. And they walk into this club. And um, it was not a very welcoming environment. But the point is, he has come up with this, if I may say, slightly cockamamie way that's very sophisticated and takes a lot of work because there's biometrics involved. He's basically passing, as we used to, well, as something you used to say, black people used to say, uh, passing strange. Like the ability to pass as white, right? He's passing as a valid. And that is owing to things like contacts that like fix his terrible vision. He's got this really cool fingertip thing that simulates a, you know, a, a fingertip. And he's got, uh, you know, all this, he's got urine. There's a whole like thing going on. But we learn about like this, uh, anyway, this experiment. Do you want to describe the thing with Jude Law? I have no rec I have no recollection of it, so you'll have to tell me. Oh, this is going to be pointless, John. Well, what happens it'll come, is... It'll come back to me. As you're saying it, it's all coming back to me. I have seen this goes, one multiple times. Who's the interlocutor? Uh, it's... Oh, that's right. I forgot that um, Dean Norris is in this. A young Dean Norris who looks, you know, from Breaking Bad. But he looks so much the same. Um, but basically, there is sort of, there's very much a, a kind of a black market for different kinds of things. I don't know how he has the money that he's got, but he's, the Jude Law, or the, pardon me, the um, Ethan Hawke char character has money. Long story short, um, a connection is made between him and this fella, played by Jude Law. And he's like, this guy is, he's a valid, he's genetically, he is basically an Olympian. And I think it was maybe an automobile accident that he uses a wheelchair now and there's going to be this mix em up where Jude Law, I, I don't completely understand the motivation, but Jude Law is going to turn Ethan Hawke into him. So, you know, again, to, to, for Seinfeld, probably fourth Seinfeld reference this week, like, like when Seinfeld or when, um, when Kramer goes to the auditions, you know, the guy, the guy with the box of raisins. He doesn't like the guy who's playing Kramer and says he's eating the raisins wrong. This is how Kramer would eat them. That kind of thing. He's going to teach Jude Law everything he needs to know to be able to pass as him. And on top of it all, he's going to be this weird, like, Renfield or, I don't know, Frankenstein, like a Igor, Igor type assistant who will, like, give him all the samples of urine and stuff that he needs to be able to continue passing. Is this jogging your memory? Mm, vaguely. You're going to make me keep going? Yes, yes. Uh, okay. So, but, see, now it just seems stupid. But I, I'm loving this movie. I'll watch the rest sometime. I've had a very difficult week, John. I was very, very ill last week. And I've been, I've got, been doing a lot of things with computers. I'm cleaning out my garage. I've been doing a lot of things. So I've been, I, I haven't been doing a lot of stuff so, I usually So why do. didn't you finish the movie? I don't know. Sometimes I just want to watch something else. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Gattaca, I, I know some people really like it, but in my recollection of it was that it was another one of those movies that 
It's very stylish. Yeah, but I felt like the the premise, story, and point were kind of too simple-minded for me. Uh, you know, like they did I, one of those like dystopian world things where I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. But I mean, so it's so weird because you mentioned X Men, which is sim- similar type of thing. X Men are discriminated against very much about discrimination. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's, a, a, it's a metaphor for you. Got to remember all the golden or sorry, all the Silver Age comics. Almost every single one of those guys was Jewish, and mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, had been in World War II. Like there are stories about Jack Kirby, like people like saying, "Oh, Jack Kirby, you're a Jew." He's like. Go downstairs, I will come down there, and I will beat your ass. I will put down my pencil, I will stop drawing the Hulk, and I will come down there and beat your ass. Jack, I mean, like, that that's what, you're, these are guys who, you know, have been through some stuff, and they wanted to have that, yeah. So, yeah, it is a little bit like X-Men. But the, the only reason I interrupted you is I feel like it does one of those things where, like, oh, dude, your dystopia can't just change a fact and then backfill with information that supports that. Like, it's, you need something... This is why I love stuff. I, I, that's why I love that first episode of The Diplomat. As plausible or implausible, a lot of world building. Because I haven't watched it yet. I won't. I won't. But I, I thoroughly, I so enjoyed it. Madeline and I both super enjoyed it. You know, if if you're in the mood for what that is, which is a very kind of British esque, um, you know, it's a little bit about spy stuff. I mean, it's about spy stuff, but it's you know really about, it's about diplomacy, and it's amazing. But um. The you can't just change one fact and then have everything else be the same. Like, what is this yesterday? Woof. But 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 it's so it's so stylish. It's so pretty. And for a '90s movie, it's one of those movies like mm, don't want to say Dark Man, but there's those movies like from the from the '90s where like they got one they got one you know they got one past the studios and, and managed to make something really great, probably on the strength of Uma Thurman and Jude. Um, Jude Law and him being in it. Yeah, and I, I like, like it was, but the X-Men, despite it being similarly straightforward, as you just described, um, you know, an analogy to, uh, you know, anti-Semitism, racism, all that other good stuff with the mutants. Why do I find the X-Men and the various movies like that, that treatment of the same kind of discrimination topic, not simple-minded and right. facile and pat, and I find Gattaca just you know not like why do i find that fault with gattaca not with x-men what is the difference and i feel like just x-men take a more artful approach to tackling that topic but it sounds weird because it's like it's people in tights being superheroes and stuff how is that more artful than this thing and it's it's kind of like what you were just saying where like gattaca the world of gattaca to me is less believable than the world of x-men because the x-men is like you have to accept their mutants and they have powers guys they're all fictional right because here's the thing in X-Men. When I see X-Men and I see people like, you know, like discriminating against the X-Men and the congressional things or whatever, I'm like, yes, people would exactly do that. That's how people would be. If there were people with superpowers, they would be, there would be terrible people in Congress saying exactly those things. But when I see Gattaca and I say, oh, if we've, if we figured out how to genetically engineer people like down to the letter, we can exactly encode their DNA. The opposite would be true. They wouldn't be looked upon as gods and everyone else discriminated against. The backlash would be gigantic because people are fearful of elitism. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they would not, it wouldn't be like, oh, the, the invalid people are discriminated against because that's what Gaddick is going for. They want the audience to watch the movie and be like, I'm rooting for Ethan Hawke because he's the real natural baby born the natural way. Like every, in America anyway, 
everybody loves that and hates people like Jude Law, the genetically engineered people. Whereas in X-Men, you have like it it reflects a reality of like, oh, I've seen politicians give those speeches like that rings true to me, whereas Gattaca does not ring true. And and setting aside like my own brain saying like, look, if we could exactly genetically engineer people. Right. And we knew exactly what all the genes were going to do. And we could, you know, pick and choose and do exactly what we wanted. The idea that then we could produce perfect human beings is laughable. Like the the analogy I would give is uh, we can decide every single piece of audio that's going to be part of a song that does not make us able to make the perfect song. Like you can control every aspect of audio with digital computers. Like there's nothing you can't do audio wise to make a song. So go ahead. You should be able to make the perfect song now. Of course you can't. It's mm-hmm. like, well, but, but songs are more complicated than people. No, yeah, I mean, like to hear, to hear the Ruddles do, I recently rewatched the Ruddles too, which is, I don't know if you know it. It's a, a film about, you know, kind of like Beatlemania and it's, I think actually produced by George Harrison, but like the songs that Neil Innes wrote for the Ruddles stuff is, I mean, they're really, they do sound like Beatles songs, like, you know, and and they're funny, like, um, you know, Cheese and Onions or I Must Be in Love, like all all these songs, they really are, they are, they are such good songs, but that's a, that's a funny send up. And they're having fun with conventions in the same way that 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 episode of Documentary Now I'm currently obsessed with is like it's silly and it's broad and it's a one axis bit in some ways. But like, you know, what is it that gets us involved? Like, you know, how do you recommend, you know, you hesitated to recommend The Leftovers to me famously, right? And it's now my favorite Mm -hmm. TV series. But I went back again and I've gone back to the beginning and watching that from the beginning. And like, you know, that's a pretty good example of what I think makes this makes anything like speculative good. I'm avoid the whole hard versus non-hard sci-fi, but I think I think a story, a, so a story that's giving us something speculative or you know near future different and stuff like that, it helps so much if we understand how and why everybody has their reasons. And, and an example, uh, the show that I'm constantly mentioning, because I guess it really has stuck with me, was the um, Deanna Delvey um, feature, mm-hmm. you know, the the series about, you know, Anna Delvey. And one thing I loved about Anna, the Anna Delvey show is, like, you, you say stuff, there's all kinds of things that anybody would say. You hear the headlines and you go, wait a minute, this guy who funds this huge, I guess, venture, venture capital hedge, but like this investor who's one of the most, like, storied people on Wall Street bought into this, Elizabeth Holmes style. Elizabeth Holmes, another great example. Well, why are these guys just dumb? Well, I mean, we're all dumb. You're dumb, but you got your reasons. And here's the thing. What is it they used to say about Trump? This is repurposed from another time. But if you decided to ride a tiger, there's never a good time to jump off. If you are, if you're in a David Simon way, you're invested in that system. Maybe you've got a pension. Maybe you've got a sick kid. We went to the mall recently and there was an off-duty San Francisco sheriff's officer outside the Apple store. And I said to Billy, you know, just because this is how my mind works. I was like, if I were the kind of person that tried, like a CID person or whatever who tries to track down cops, one thing I would look for is cops who have other jobs. Like forget about the fact that, well, it's pretty crazy that a lot of the cops who live here or who work here don't live in San Francisco. But if somebody's living beyond his means or can't make his rent with the job, 
well, obviously, that should materialist, like, you know, from a materialist standpoint, well, that should tell you a lot about what you're paying people or what you're expecting of them. But, like, I would really be looking at some, that guy's got his reasons. He probably doesn't want to be standing outside the Apple store. He needs the money. And in the case of a good, like, something like The Leftovers, it does such a good job of helping you understand what those reasons are, why they have them, and such a deep, slow, deliberative dive into specificities about how someone is broken. Not just going, oh, that's the wacky neighbor, but looking at somebody like Kevin Garvey and going, man, this guy's, this guy's a wreck and he's trying to hold it together. And we're just piecing together that his dad's in a loony bin and then he gets, gets his granddaughter out of a refrigerator and you're like, oh, what is going on? But like every one of those characters is such an HBO character because you have such an insight into their motivation and their, uh, and the, the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the bargains that they've made. And in this movie, it's a simple Hollywood movie in a lot of ways. It's very well done, but it is at the heart of it just to look, oh, like what if people who weren't genetically engineered were like black people? Yeah, I think another one of the things that I find a little bit distasteful about it is the idea that the expectation that the audience is rooting for Ethan Hawke because he was made the all-natural way. Like, you kind of heard in my voice before when I said it, mm-hmm. when I was talking about that. Like, that kind of, all oh, the old spun ways are best kind I know. of like, that you is, know. That, is, that has become a huge red flag for me personally, looking at myself and absolutely at looking at the world. Watch for the people who constantly want a past that or want some kind of a past that maybe didn't exist exactly or or like an an attachment to something for reasons that are not connected to reality like people are so complicated that the idea that we should be rooting for ethan hawk because he was made the good old-fashioned natural way versus all the evil genetically engineered people as if i'm I'm gonna disagree a little bit here because i don't know if you remember this but i think they did a very i tell madeline this that you know we should watch it together in my opinion because one of the things i love in that movie is, is the setup which is that, okay, there's this kid who's obviously like the sickly kid with glasses and he falls down a lot. And then he's got this younger brother, right? And I don't know if you remember this, but there's a, there's a wonderful ongoing thing of like, well, what, what you learn essentially is that Ethan Hawke is, courage is the wrong word. Fearless, certainly the wrong word. He's tenacious. He might, he has what what I would maybe, I, would, I hate he's to say got grit. Grit, grit. <laughs> But yeah, he's got gumption. But like, there's there's a thing, there's a running bit I won't spoil for you, but like he and his brother, who are very close, both like to see how far they can swim out before one of them That's can't go. That's what I said. I remember the swimming scene. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. But there's a phrase, he, there's a thing he says during that that actually I thought I mentioned this on the hike. Hey, uh, Werner Herzog, will you please remember to write this down? Um, Each of us knowing that, something like, each of us knowing that every stroke we took was a stroke we'd have to duplicate to get home safely. Like, oh, what a good way to put it. And his brother always won because he's but, a better but swimmer. The, but the the ending of that is dumb. Dumb, like, like it's, it's impossible. Try, it tries to be profound, but it's actually just mostly dumb. The, wait, wait, wait the, the the part where Ethan Hawke wins. Yeah, and he explains why he wins, and that and that explanation is dumb. What was the explanation? Because I never save anything for the swim back. Oh. And, and that seems terrible. You never so say anything that's so you, you would you would drowned. use a word like fearless, like uh, by, 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 I was trying to avoid saying that he's careless or that he's calm or that he's deluded. It's just that he is he is undeterred by stuff that anybody else would be deterred by. It's more like he, in in the world of the movie, he has nothing to lose and everything to gain. So he is more motivated to push himself farther because if he doesn't, it's all over for him. He you know. Whereas, and think about what he goes through every morning. 
Yeah, exactly. Like he's trying he's trying to live in this world like he's he's got to put everything on the line all the time because he lives in this big oppressive dystopia, whereas Jude Law is not as motivated to swim as hard. Because he's like, well, if I lose this race, whatever, I'm still a little genetically superior and society treats me well. I think it's that Jude Law needs the money. And so Jude Law has this fancy house and something didn't occur to me until I was halfway into the third of the way in the movie is like, oh, my God, it didn't really occur to me, you know, because he shows up at Jude Law's house and he's wheeling around in this really, really beautiful palatial kind of modern house. And he says something like, who lives upstairs? And Jude Law says something, well, he kind of looks down and he goes, well, it's not me. So what's what, what occurs to me, though, is that... <laughs> There's no elevators in the future. Yeah. No, 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 no. But what comes out of it is that essentially, the, and then so it's, you know, Ethan Hawke that lives upstairs in the nice part. And it's just, there's something, that's why I want to talk about the role of identity in that before we get to the bit, is just, you know, he's a guy who now lives in his own basement and drinks. And like his drinking is screwing up the plan because there's alcohol in the urine samples and he knows he's going to be tested. And it's, I don't know, I thought that, I think for a 90s movie that was very effective. I, I think in many ways this has, this. It, it, it's as fascinating conceptually to me as The Matrix in a lot of ways. And I, I feel like people just don't talk about this movie a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, think like i didn't dislike it when i saw it, but i think it's because it does it is kind of like a by the numbers you always know how this is going to turn out yeah, and yeah that's the, 90s, and the lesson it, the lesson it has for you is so kind of like vaguely insulting in the in the sort of suspicious red flaggy americana way that you're just and, and also it does it probably doesn't help again that ethan hawk is the supposedly genetically inferior one oh my God, a young he's, ethan hawk right? yeah Oh, by the way, the um, the guy, I'll find a photo to send you. The guy who played young, um, oh God, what's his name? Martin, Walter, Michael, Vincent. Young Vincent, uh, the guy who played him. Somebody, I was like, I'm not going to Google this because I don't want to know he's a sex man. And somebody kindly did did my emotional labor and said, oh, no, no, he's an oceanographer now. Isn't that nice to hear? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know what the concept for this bit was, but it felt like there was something in there. The basic idea is, can you imagine a world in which one of us has to train and sort of mentor the other to be able to pass as the other. I mean, I think we have actually seen this in a lot of movies. You know, someone less seriously, the one that came to mind immediately, which is obviously these days not oh, Mr. Ripley. Very, so Mr. Ripley. A, no, and a very different kind of movie would be uh, Trading Places. Mm-hmm. You, you're going to take this person and you're going to try to get them to <laughs> pass or something that. they're not. I really saw the thumbnail for that on iTunes. We own it. And mm-hmm. it was, I was like, um, I can give you the log line pretty quick. Um, two really old rich guys make a $1 bet to see if they can turn a very rich and powerful man into a homeless person. And... You're, you're ruining the end of the movie, but in your summary. Oh. $1. That's the kicker at the end. Oh, oh and what what is it? What What, what is it that they're... Uh... What is it that they're they're trying to short? Remember? Yeah, they're just they're just trying. Oh, no, no. is it orange juice? For, for concentrated orange Frozen juice. Yes, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It's from concentrated. It's a commodities uh, thing. Yeah, but but anyway, was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. But it's, it's, it was like, what, what, what? So wait a minute. <laughs> That's the movie. Is like one guy gets rich and the other gets poor. It's like, yeah, but then mm-hmm. they get revenge, and you see Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs. And there's a guy in a gorilla suit who rapes somebody. There is a good, okay, and, and, and uh, Al Franken and Tom Davis, who were also in mm-hmm. the Ruddles, they're in it, but, but you've also got uh, Denham Elliott, the guy who was Indy's professor in uh, Indiana Jones. I love that actor. 
Uh, Talented Mr. Ripley, similar, more serious treatment, but like the idea of taking somebody and seeing, you know, or even just something, something simple. I just saw, um, uh, I saw a performance of My Fair Lady, which I had never seen live before. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Huh. I'm not I think that I'd seen the movie. I mean, I know yeah, the tunes, I, but yeah. Um, but th- that type of thing, like taking somebody and trying to get them to pass a summer or they're not with the advantage of the person who either knows that world or literally is that person in the case of Gattaca being there or like Kramer being there to tell you, here's how you have to do it. Here's what <laughs> here's you have to I say. Here's how you have here's to how act. I would eat the raisins. Exactly. Right. Down, down to eating the raisins or was it raisins or raisinettes? I don't remember. It was a box of, it was a box of raisins on the table. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that can be done well. Um, Gattaca is not my favorite implementation of that. Neither is my fair lady, but you know, the songs are better. Hmm. It's a really dumb idea, but I, 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 just, I just, for some reason, you know what? I was, okay. Let me just say what I was thinking of is that there's something that's happened, blah, blah, blah. Let's just let's skip why. Let's just, you know, hand wave over this. But I'm imagining you, you have to, you have to train me to be you. I think me training you to be me. I don't know. They're both very fascinating, but I would just love to be in a situation where I live upstairs from you and, and you pee in a bag, you drink a lot and you, you try to help me. Well, I mean, whatever your version of that is, I'm guessing you're probably, uh, I mean, this, this could actually be a form of therapy because there'd be like, everything's a form of therapy. If you're screwed up enough, training you to be me would involve a lot of you not, uh, feeling the way you do in the situation you know what i mean like okay, you have I'm, writing this down. I'm writing all this down you you have anxiety about things that i don't have anxiety about so in those situations where merlin would feel anxiety oh but you're not merlin now now you're john so you should be totally relaxed about this and if i you would just pull that different off, i would develop i first of all i would lose none of the anxieties that i began with but i would just have to add <laughs> new ones in order to be able to pass as john but if i was saying if, if you could pull it off you'd be like well i have, you know you would say well i haven't actually fixed my anxieties but right now i'm pretending to be somebody who doesn't have them in that case but, you know ethan hawk i think like i said a minute ago he's I'm confident i don't know what the word is but he's very like when he's talking talking about like how we're going to pull this off he's like oh, it'll be fine like we'll deal with it you know that kind of stuff so in well, that case he is the lead in the hollywood movie so that's true yeah he's got the movie star thing going on there where would you start with training me. I mean, like, is there anything I could like get a head start on right now to like, you know, if I, if I, uh, I guess we would have to define the parameters a little better, but like, I mean, I mean, it, w- it would start with you spending way, way, way less time thinking about and worrying about a bunch of things that I don't think about or worry about. Okay. So and that would so free up number one is more time. worry. Is it, it, it's worry, worry less, worry different. Yeah. Well, there's uh, definitely different things you should be worrying about, but the, you'd start in life by taking or all is the, you. Yeah, you you as me, you'd start mm. by deleting all the things that Merlin worries about, and then you'd substitute things that John worries about. And there'd be a different set of things, and it would be a smaller set of things, and they'd probably be things you don't, Merlin doesn't actually worry about, but now you'd have to be busy. I'm, be, reading, I'm yeah. reading a book about um, Massimo Vinelli right now, and it's currently turned, it's a, it's a beautiful, I say perfect bound, but it's beautifully done. It's called the Vinelli Canon, uh, and it's really good. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting into grids again. And, uh, right now it's turned upside down on the coffee table with, with the page that I'm on open. So, you know, that's the kind of thing I'd have to stop that. Wouldn't I? I'd have to read a different book and not break it. Uh, yeah, probably. But you just, you could just get a, a tissue and use it as a bookmark. It's a two second fix. How did you read the stand? Did you read the stand in paperback? No, I had the original hardcover when the when the uncut oh, version okay. of the stand came out and it was out in hardcover. That's what I got that's, from a wait, book that's, club. That's the I started that, never finished it. That's the pretty long one. What's the one with the gun guy? 
That's gun guy. You talking about the gunslinger? Yeah, the what's Dark the one Tower with series? Elba? That's the one that's really long. Yeah, right? the, that's Dark, the, crazy the Dark Tower long series one. is seven books, and they're, they're not every, the gunslinger. The first book is actually pretty short. But isn't the stand fairly long? No, the gunslinger is short. Uh, the second book is a little bit longer. They get a little bit longer as time goes on. And okay. So, but the stand is the really big one. The, the uncut version of the stand is over a thousand pages. Long. So it starts at the gas and, station with the people. That's right. right. Okay. Number um, one, worry less, worry different is what I've got for number one. Yeah. Well, you'd start by worrying less. Number okay. two, worry, start worrying about these new things. Okay. So number two, oh. um, uh, adopt new worries. Yeah, exactly. They'd be a different set. They'd be an unfamiliar set for you, and you might not know how to correctly worry about them. I would have to lean into them. it, John. I would have to yeah. inhabit the character of John. Yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have to understand how to worry about them. And, and then and I'd have to respond to the way you'd them. respond. This is like, I'd have to be, uh, you essentially got to like flash my ROM or something. This is mm-hmm. wild, John. Okay, adopt new anxieties. Could you give me a couple to practice on? I mean, I, I'm making all the obvious jokes because we have an audience. I mean, so yeah, but also like the thing you mentioned with the book, it's not just knowing how what what you have to worry about and be anxious about, but also knowing what to do about it. And so to, the, what to do about it, I just gave you in that case, would be, look, you can't undo damage that has been done to that book, but what you can do is go over to it right now, pick it up, Put a put a bookmark or a tissue if you can't find one in to mm. mark your page and put it someplace where the book will be safe, where no one's going to mm-hmm. spill a drink on it. No one's going to put a it. It's a form of literary harm reduction. Yeah, exactly right. But 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 you're not going to spend a lot of time thinking about it. You're just going to be no. like, well, this is what I got to do. I'm going to go take that. I'm going to put that. Uh, I'm going to spirit that book away to safety. What about something like like should I develop like like notice like water leaking or no 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 like notice a place where water could leak that feels very Occ- jolly. Occasionally, you take you take an inventory of all the things that the, the status of all the things that are decaying in in your in your in your life and home. Okay, and okay. and uh, just to prioritize them to think. Do I need to do something about that now? Should I put an event on my calendar for three years from now, or do right. I not need to worry about that? So so adopt new anxieties and then get a little bit wound up in what to do about it yeah like you just did triaging you gotta triage triaging. them and the, mm-hmm. the the trick what i tend to do with triage is the things that are not uh that i'm that are not important just immediately fall off so there's no anxiety about the things that i've decided are important and the things that are are important there's a small number of them and you're just always looking for what the next one of those things is going to be and you this is probably a thing we're you, back to you the, the kleenex box the kleenex box yeah of exactly you, you yeah. have the illusion that if you if you just get done with the things you're currently worrying about mm-hmm. then you'll be free and clear but of course you know you never will be because there'll always be another one but that's that's the pattern that's the cycle i think there's an elephant in the room um and it has to do with uh the the the, the notional premise of of the show which is i would have to be really different i would have to speak respond i mean will i be able to think think like yeah. you you're 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 phys- if you were doing it like actor style like kramer you, the physical things you do on an hour to hour basis would have to be different are you standing are you sitting where are you are how much are you moving how fast are you breathing like everything about you, you just that that i'm sure is entirely different between us well remember they stay they they stretch his legs because because even when they give him the uh what's the guy's name uh uh joaquin phoenix rivers river rivers cuomo they give him the weezer thing where they made his legs long which i've heard is extremely painful so like I would need to be taller. I would need to be much more gawky. I would wear children's mm-hmm. shoes. Um, mm-hmm. You don't and, need to do that though. Come on. Well, I'm wearing Birkenstocks right now. If I'm being honest. Well, that's fancy children's shoes. <laughs> yeah, but you like you like like you got Crocs shoe. for crying out loud, right? I mean, I have a lot of things, John. I'm an and American. You wear them occasionally on my body. Yeah, you got professional Crocs. They're professional Crocs. They're not those mm-hmm. like orange ones everybody had. Those in are children's shoes. Those are children's shoes. So, yes. so okay. No, no like, no, like, uh, brogues or anything like that. 
I mean, I don't know what those are. Oh, it's you know, it's the Irish name for fancy. It's the Irish. <laughs> 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 